This week on the podcast, PVNV. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me for a discussion of Mel Brooks' 1977, I can't really call it a classic, but movie, High Anxiety. High Anxiety was uh, one of several films in a series Mel Brooks had been doing where he was mimicking the style of other filmmakers, and this was his Alfred Hitchcock tribute. Um, it came after Young Frankenstein and um, Blazing Saddles, which, you know, obviously a Western and uh, like the Hammer horror films, and it and the Universal horror films. Uh, and while it does ape the style of Hitchcock, it, it it's just not... Well, you'll hear. Um, it's the kind of movie where the jokes come at you and you're like, Oh, I get it. I get it. I, I don't get it. You'll see. Anyway, uh, it's the show. As always, we're trying to grow the show, so please subscribe to the podcast, rate it on iTunes, share it on social media feeds, and if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can find all the ways to do that on our website. It's maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Um, there you can find our Twitter, which is maghuge, or our Facebook or Instagram. And you can always send us an email, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. All right, everybody, let's get on with the show. I'm back. I'm back. Dun, 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 dun. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm not sure what's hey, going hey, on. Right hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Welcome. This is Chris. Who are you? Hey. Hey, Chris. I'm Brian. <laughs> Hey Brian, and who's that I'm, other fellow over there? I'm Eric, I, I, and we can't hear the person listening, so shut up. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Shut up, just shut up and listen. Lay back, baby, and, baby. and, and keep okay. stuff in your pie hole, and listen to an hour or so of musings <laughs> and entertaining uh, observations from the magnificently huge podcast. Because yo, that's what we do. Yeah, well, that's right. Welcome to the program. Do we want to just jump jump right into the fresh shit? <laughs> This shit is fresh! Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is real! Fresh. I watched something new, and, and it reminded me why I don't watch things that are new. Uh, the ahead. Gray Man. Which oh, is, um, no. I watched it. Yeah, I watched it, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk. Oh, man. I, 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 the uh, thing is... I, 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 I talked my wife out of watching this. <laughs> oh, my God. It's what you, I totally thought you would watch that one, Brian. That's, like, right up your alley. It really is. Uh, yeah, I I thought uh, one of you would have watched it, you know, like before the show because I was like, "Oh yeah, this is so awful looking." Um, dude, d- 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 <laughs> just ask, just just yes or no. This is literally like the kitchen sink of action movies. It's like every fucking trope from every big action movie going back to the '80s is utilized mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. This thing, it is so crazy that they did that yeah. and thought they'd get away with it it's just and there's even Here's, like like the little kid with the transporter there's like the lethal weapon yeah, set, buddy shit it's set like, the oh. stage what what is the yes. gray man okay what is this? 
the the gray man okay first off anthony and joe russo trying to have something going on outside of marvel uh yeah. do this uh a uh, uh, thing based on a novel uh by mark greeny i'm not gonna use wikipedia no, nobody cares nobody cares yeah yeah so so it's a an organization in the u.s government uh billy bob thornton threw together to have prisoners to be trained to be assassins uh ding i'm just gonna do the you want. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do the reference just, things so this this is jason Bourne. ding yeah yeah it's jason Bourne, but no using the very uh uh reliable judgment of people in prison to go do your international <laughs> wet work um but it's yeah but so it's Ryan Gosling, Gosling so it, is you know, one of the yeah. guys who they they get out of prison to do this you know nonsense and we catch up with him like 22 years later or something when Billy Bob Thornton who has apparently been a father figure off screen for these you know past 22 years to him is sent to kill some uh, other guy who is another gray man uh who tells him there's dirty shit going on and that's why you were sent to kill me you know it's a it's an inside job thing all spy movies mm -hmm. these days since the first mission impossible are it's an inside job because nobody yeah. can think of a proper spy novel plot it's all got to be an inside <laughs> job that's the only thing people understand yeah it's and, they, and bond has to get kicked out of mi6 and, yeah. and go rogue well this yeah. one it's Which like, he does every like third or fourth film yeah but this one, it's there's the the spy goo god disc driver, whatever that's like the knock list from Mission Impossible. So ding, Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, one of those. He's being chased by uh, Captain America, uh, Chris Evans, who I must say is the one part of this that's any good. I I think yeah. Chris Evans is so awesome in just about everything he's in. I watched The Losers again yesterday, and I forgot how good yeah. he was in that. He's the, he's, just he's the only good thing in that one. Yeah, he's the only good thing in The like, Losers. Captain America was almost uh, regressive for him because he wasn't allowed to be mm -hmm. funny. He was just Captain yeah. Goddamn America. But in this, well, he's a scumbag who sent out to kill him, and this is a guy who just does, has no problem killing any civilians or anything. And there's yeah. a lot of killing. There's a lot of exploding. There's a lot of unnecessary it's action. And when I say that, I mean, there is like a Michael Bay level of editing of action that makes you <laughs> go, what, 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 yeah. what, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a whole chase sequence with cars and a train in the middle yeah. of like Vienna or wherever they are. And it's yeah. just like collateral damage left and right and center. It is just so yeah. ridiculous. It's like they because so, it's, so ding GI Joe the Rise of Cobra. Well, yeah, or or <laughs> in the, the, the Russos just basically copying the, themselves from Winter Soldier. In it's the, the same shit. Mm. In the back of my mind, I kept thinking of uh, how it might have been a fuck you to uh, Age of Ultron by saying, you know, if you're going to have an actiony sequence in a train, the train should still be on train tracks rolling forward <laughs> because if you take the train and you throw it at like a street it'll stop relatively quickly you know but yeah. in age of ultron it seems to go on for two or three miles without tracks yeah but same kind of sequence yeah but basically ryan gosling is like the the top tier like better than all the other ultras or whatever this shady organization is but he yeah. gets the, the yeah. crap Very kicked out of him yeah he consistently gets the crap kicked out of him and still manages to keep pushing forward. So that's very ding diehard John McClane. 
uh, for yeah. him. He's sort of the anti-hero. There's a flashback where he was sent to uh, basically bodyguard Billy Bob Thornton's niece. Uh, so, you know, they form a uh, Leon the professional kind of relationship yeah. with Matilda. Or, and or the transporter. There's that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I guess I think a Leon. Well, yeah, of course, but that's Luke Besson either way. So. Retarded. And so there's that. <laughs> so. And it's only done just long enough for there to be a reason for him to give a crap about this person later. But it's not, it's only established like by the numbers. There is no yeah. relationship. You know, it's dumb. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. But I feel like the only thing to recommend it is, like you say, Chris Evans, because he plays such a douchebag. It's sort of like his character from Knives Out cranked to 15 the level of sliminess and he's got that like porn stash thing going and he's just so like non moral compassy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he'll, he'll kill anybody that gets in his way. It's just like, he's let yeah. loose. He's unchained. So that's fun. It's, I, I thought of him kind of like a uh, uh, human torch without, you know, the moral compass. It was like that right. same kind of playfulness, yeah, yeah. but also killing people. Right. Do you guys think this is the last Netflix blockbuster movie? Like, no, no, they they greenlit they like, mockbuster they call them. No, they greenlit a Gray Man yeah. too, so there'll be a sequel. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also a Red Notice too. I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Netflix so, only uh, lost a lot of viewers because, uh, like, what? Uh, the Stranger Things four. Everybody watched it and they were like, "Okay, we're good," you know, yeah. and they're out. Well, I mean, they finally got competition. There's like so many streaming services. People are just jumping around. It's whatever just about the content. And the other problem Netflix has is they can't show Star Trek because Paramount Plus. They can't show Marvel because Disney Plus. It's like all of the stuff yeah. they would rent from other people, they can't. So now yeah. it's just this and like Korean heist shows. Yeah. But, but when they get stuff like this or the one with Charlie's Theron. Um, where she's the immortal, the old guard, the old guard. Oh god! Uh, or Red Notice, or anything by Ryan Reynolds. Honestly, uh, <laughs> so oh, yeah, so, I watched that Adam yeah, Project, yeah. which was garbage. So Netflix is like throws just a crap ton of money at movies that would, I don't know, at some point maybe have been tentpole summer releases, but because maybe the pandemic has sort of shifted the field a little bit, so now they're just putting them onto Netflix. And then calling them big event movies, and then yeah. they don't ever discuss their numbers, so they just have to take their word for it that it's a big giant hit. <laughs> Which I like. <laughs> but, I uh, like knowing that these big dumb action films don't actually hit theaters and don't actually take up space in my attention. They're just these things that are dumped right. on Netflix, <laughs> and the the you know the people who like this kind of trash they can go watch it on their own time. Yeah, you know, it yeah. doesn't have to bother me. I like that. Oh, this. This might be a good opportunity to talk about the recent developments with um, HBO Discovery Max. and Warner and HBO Max and like the the new guy, um, the new CEO of this merged company is like doing a total 180 from the Warner Brothers strategy. And so they they're basically just canceling anything that is Ooh. a movie made we've, for HBO Max. We've got to talk about that girl. We've got to talk about Batgirl. Yeah. Oh my fuck. I didn't even know this thing existed. I found Neither out the I. Batgirl movie was happening because they said they'd spent like $60 million on it. And then they said, P.U., let's just cancel it. Well, That's I think so it's just- Yeah, no, it was always intended to be an HBO Max only movie. Yeah. And so it didn't have the budget or the, the spectacle 
yeah. of a big movie. And what? this guy's like, no, we're just not doing that which, anymore. And Batgirl is gone, which, which even is, though they were bringing back Michael Keaton. I was to say, it's insane that they would just tank it, considering that it's the return of Keaton as Batman. You'd think that would just put eyeballs on it, regardless of any other I don't understand why they don't just put it on the channel just to because, get subscribers. Because tax if they put it out and people, you know, like, you know, when people watch it, they're going to go, oh, I'm done. And then it's <laughs> like the damage to all that shit is irreparable i can see why they did it and i'm actually i actually applaud it it would keep me from wanting to watch anything batman for years if i had to watch have you seen the wb show batwoman i i watched a few minutes of it on youtube and oh my god it i'll just say that i've i've seen uh a chunk of the arrowverse and yes i agree with you it's just well so and I, I recently rewatched Aquaman, and that movie is so huge and over the top. But um, the the thing that's weird about this, though, is they're literally just taking content off of HBO Max that they already have. Three movies that I've brought to this show, yeah. The Witches, American Pickle, and Lockdown, are all gone yeah. off of HBO Max. And it's, it's like, I don't well, understand that. You own the content, lock, stock, and barrel... Leave it on your on your service well, and see if it helps drive subscribers. I think I some of it's it. because they got rid of the old CEO or whoever was running the show. The guy that said, "Well, we'll put all of the Warner releases out on HBO Max simultaneously." Yeah, and that pissed off a lot of people because I guess they thought they'd make more money in the theater. I don't know, but basically, it's just like any okay. studio that has a changing of the guard will has no compunction about killing yeah. other projects that have been greenlit or whatever I mean, by the kill DC, killing DC projects Warner, that are in mm, development yeah. but released yeah dc warner brothers is a little different because the guy who was there before you know is i guess the guy after the batman v superman you know horror show you know the 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 zack snyder verse next guy comes in and says okay we're not going to do a marvel thing we're going to do a fucking jumble. We're just going to do even one-off stories like Joker. We're going to explore the universe, but not in a linear way, right? right? So that meant that allowed for something like just throw shit at the wall. You know, here's the TV flash. Here's movie flash. Here's, here's Batgirl. Here's all this nonsense. All of it. Here, take your pick. Yeah. And well, I think the, the person after that was like, um... No, nah, Marvel makes a, made a lot of money off that. Now let's go back to that. I think yeah. there's well, always but they going just to be greenlit Joker too, right? But you there's saw all that, right? Yeah, I'm just saying there's always going to be like tension at DC Warner Brothers because they did not have Marvel uh, uh, success. They're making Joker too because they want you know a franchise. Yeah, <laughs> they want a franchise well, plus, out of everything. They don't want one-off well, art movies. Fuck you. Let's make some well, plus, money. There's all the rumblings now with, because uh, The Rock is doing Black Adam, which is the Shazam thing, and apparently there's ru- uh, like there's rumors and undertones that The Rock is trying to just force his way into being the the premier DC guy and like uh-huh. shoving Henry Cavill off to the side and the whole thing, and uh, like the fandom is apparently getting pretty pissy about that because even before Black Adam comes out, he's already making rumblings where he wants to see the like Black Adam Superman showdown. And blah blah blah. I mean, it's just he's is sort Henry of. Henry Cavill he, he still been involved? So good at pr- promoting. No, Henry Cavill Nobody is, knows. Yeah, he's kind of off. But here's the thing: is that The Rock and Henry Cavill apparently have the same management, and 
The Rock is basically just steamrolling everything DC, whereas Henry Cavill is sort of just right. doing all this other stuff now. And it's so like people are like, what the fuck, man? So I can understand that the, too. Rock's been around for years and he has yeah. nothing to show for it. Yeah. His, <laughs> I mean, his, even, even the Fast and Furious shit is an ensemble piece that other people had well, already put together. Well, that's what it rolls into is that people are like, well, uh, so now maybe all of those stories that came out about Fast and Furious with him and Vin Diesel and whatever, and like some of the cast sort of slagging The Rock are maybe true. And so I think he's going to start running into a PR problem because he's apparently kind of an egotistical dick. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) So I think that's another another trailer is full of so many cliches. It's like every Thor. yeah, it was a lot of Thor moments yeah. in that. In fact, the, I bet the, it is Thor. The first only shot Adam. of that trailer looks like it's it's from Black Panther, and and then they say the words Black Adam, and it's like before they get to Adam, I'm like Black, what? Pan? Pan- no, Adam. Okay, I guess this is the Black Adam trailer. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so snore. <laughs> It'd be um, funny, Black. Pa- uh, oh, and like guy holds up a script. No, Adam. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's. To to kind of springboard off of that for for streamers, uh, I will say that Hulu is uh, upping their game quite nicely. If I do say so myself, uh, mm. they've they've got stuff like Netflix is doing where it's just so, solid entertainment pieces that may not hit the theater, uh, but one that probably should have gone to the theater. I don't know if you guys have seen it, uh, but that that Predator one, Prey, that just came out. I was thinking that might even be an episode of the podcast. Did you watch it for your fresh shit? <laughs> uh, well, not. I just yeah. watched it, but I thought I'd bring it up because it's all, uh, quite good. All Native American cast. That that my wife told me that, and I was like, okay. The well, one reason yeah. I might want to watch it, it's like there might be something going on other than a bad sci-fi movie. Well, and it's that's where it's weird because it's uh, well, they inverted the title, so they went from Predator to Prey. Obviously, it's set in the uh, 18th, early 18th century. Uh, on the plains for uh, Comanche tribe. Uh, and basically it's just the predator sets down and just starts hunting uh, on the Great Plains and sort of builds up to going after some of the, the tribe, and specifically the girl, and uh, basically finds out that, uh, <laughs> you know, fuck around and find out. And it's just a, a total inversion. So everything that happened at the end of the original Predator, where Arnie had to go back to like break basics with sharpening sticks and the whole thing, it's like you watch these things. You're like, so that's what fucks up a Predator is when people just get rid of the tech and they just go really basic <laughs> and they don't know how to handle that. And it's so it's fun. Well, this is supposed to be a lower tech Predator too because it takes place like hundreds of years ago. Yeah, it's right? like yeah, 1719. So the the tech is a little different. Uh, he still got like the the invisible shield and the whole whole nine yards and the tracking darts and whatever. It's funny to uh, think that something this bad has cannon. You know, well he's yeah. like like, like <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna lose all the new predator weapons. You know what those are, right, kids? No, because this well this fucking series is awful. Well, yeah, we touched on that on that show we did a while back about why do all the predator sequels suck? And it's true up yeah. until this one. This is like the only worthy predator sequel in my mind. Uh, because they they basically tried something different, uh, where they they set it in a non tech world, and kind of just see what happens. But you've also well, got not trying to do a big bunch of world building. That's just yeah, it's, predator and and well, prey in the jungle. Yeah, and this could be like any movie like that. Like, did you ever see Outlander? 
uh, where it's yeah. like the Viking, Viking. It's it's a lot like that, where it's just you pluck the the deadly alien in the middle of this sort of medieval whatever world, yeah, uh, where it's lower lower tech, where they're using analog or cowboys and aliens. Or, Remember cowboys and aliens? Uh, <laughs> I'd like to not. Uh, uh, but Prey, but Prey's got a whole lot going for it. I mean, it's I don't know. It's just maybe me reading too much into it because of having some understanding of the american history but it's they they sort of do the whole subtext of uh colonialism because there's a whole a bit where there's like french trappers buffalo hunters that are dealt with and and stuff like that so you start to see like is the predator just another colonial uh interloper that the comanche have to deal with and so there's all of that sort of stuff like manifest destiny and all that bullshit so there's a lot of weird subtext going on in this that you don't get in any other predator film and it's kind of refreshing yeah i was i was reading about it and i I guess you know it was an intentional choice the the french are not subtitled right and so they are as foreign to you the audience as they are to the character yeah yeah right uh um so they, they make a I lot was just of thinking really how awesome would that be for the film though if like okay we we start with the the native peoples who are not you know they're, they're not suited for war these you know I mean a lot of Native Americans totally were but these ones not and they have to fight these predators which makes them badasses and then the white people show up and they're like totally ready <laughs> yeah. or or maybe maybe a sequel where uh, Custer is chasing a bunch of them, and then when he hits uh, <laughs> Little Bighorn, this fucking enormous alien ship is there. Like, what the shit? Yeah. And just wipes out. You know, it's like, yeah, that would be fun. Let's let's fuck no, with history. I mean, it's I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good. They uh they do enough nods and winks to the the first Predator, um, but the through line is basically centered on the 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 young woman who wants to be a hunter but has to deal with sort of the internal sexism of her tribe where they're like, ho, 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 you can't be a hunter. And then, you know, she's forced Cut to be Cut your like hair, the, Mulan. Yeah. And she's got to be like the, the, the farmer hunter-gatherer type. Uh, and then at one point she actually says, you know, you know why I want to be a hunter? Because nobody thinks that I can do it. And it's like, that's her deal. And so that's a very com- concise arc for that character and it works the entire thing because she's basically like i'm not taking any bullshit i don't care if this is a seven foot tall alien creature with missiles shooting out of its arm i'm gonna fuck this shit up and that's literally the vibe of the movie and it worked for me i gotta tell you it was just a lot of fun uh because it's it's still got solid action and it was very well done from start to finish and i'm sorry it didn't hit the theaters this would have been great to see on the big screen because it yeah. was just and it's been of, such a crap month for movies and yeah. the or crap summer like this summer movie season this is the summer where everybody was supposed to be making the movies during covid i right. think and they're just nope they didn't but there you go yeah so so prey is on hulu now and i would recommend it highly uh honestly all right i've i've got i don't know did eric did you have other fresh shit we just no no that was in. a nice transition okay. from me to chris all right all right, I got a little bit here. Okay. Um. So I I uh I saw a completely different kind of movie in the theaters. Um. I went and saw Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Oh, <laughs> that those are cute. Is those are so cute. So delightful. Oh my god. Um. What a wholesome little movie. Um. So the deal with Marcel the Shell with Shoes On the movie is that it's a documentary and that you the conceit is that all of that is real so this dude has been living in 
an Airbnb because he's like, you know, lost his relationship and he's he's like had to move out and live there temporarily. And he happens to be in this place where Marcel the Shell with Shoes on lives and has been dealing with the rotating set of humans that come and go through this through this Airbnb. And so he's he strikes up a you know relationship with him and and then they make these videos and then the videos become popular on YouTube and then and it's the videos from YouTube that spawn it and then like all these Instagram kids start showing up outside the house and being annoying and you know because they found the house but it's actually surprisingly for adults because it's really about loss and loneliness and and letting go of past relationships or you know the people who die um it's it's super charming and like i said super wholesome and anyone of any age can watch it but the themes are very much adult themes i think it's funny that the 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 voice for uh marcel is jenny slate and the director of the film is her ex-husband so the two of them are doing a thing on loss and saying goodbye. That's like, I guess, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Marcel is, Marcel is criticizing the guy and how he fucked up his relationship. So that's a whole other layer. Nice. Because, <laughs> you know, they just improvised a lot of this stuff. Um, the other thing that's really remarkable about it is the animation itself. Um, because obviously this is a stop motion character in the physical world. But what they do in terms of lighting and composition is incredibly subtle, and I don't quite know how they do the trick. So, like, a couple of good examples are, uh, there's a sequence where Marcel is on the dashboard of a car that is driving, and all of the light and shadows are going over the dashboard and going over Marcel as it moves around on the dashboard. <laughs> and And it's... I don't know how they got the, you know, I guess they just probably just did some digital shading or whatever, you know, in post. Similarly, it interacts with like a dog and the dog is in real time and Marcel is not. And and so it's actually a really impressive technical feat of animation as well. Um, I would recommend this. Marcel, the show with shoes on, definitely give it a watch. You don't have to like go to the theater for it, but when it comes on streaming... Yeah, set aside some time. It's it's right worth on. your time. It's like a like a tongue twister. Say it three tw- times really fast. Marcel the show with shoes on. Marcel the show with shoes on. Marcel the show with shoes on. Okay, you win. Actually, the more you she do it, the easier Marcel it gets. Marcel the show with shoes on by the seashore. Yes. Yeah. Rubber um, baby buggy bumpers. Yes. Ooh, nice. All right. So the other thing I'll bring real quick is a is a video game I've been playing, and this is available for PC or the Nintendo Switch. And this thing is called Neon White. And Neon White is a number of things. It's this very Japanese game. It's it's trying really hard to have a 90s aesthetic. It kind of feels like a Dreamcast game um, in presentation and tone and graphics and everything. But um, basically, it's a game for speedrunning. It's a first-person shooter where uh, every weapon comes with just a few bullets, like ammo is very limited, but that's okay. You want to discard your weapons because when you discard your weapon, 
it gives you some kind of a movement ability. So like discarding one weapon will give you an extra jump or another one will make you dash forward or another one will give you this like stomp ability. And ultimately those are about navigation and the level designs get downright evil. Um, you are, you are being challenged to just get through this thing, kill all of the bad guys, and also do it under a very strict time limit, and you have to optimize and optimize and optimize your run. Every level is, like, maybe 30 seconds long, um, 30 seconds to a minute long, and you go over it and you're just trying to, like, polish your execution to perfection, and it's so video gamey and, and so sadistic. It's great. I love it. It's <laughs> it's hours, a good time. Hours of enjoyment. Oh yeah, yeah. So neon white. The now the story and the characters are like every anime trope ever. Like it's it's super hard to watch as like a grown ass adult because you just you're just like oh oh this is this is this is for immature people who don't know what other people are like. Oh okay, <laughs> but. There's a skip button, and then you can get back to the shooty, shooty, jumpy, jumpy, which is great. Um, yeah, so Dion White, check it out. That's the fresh shit. So, guys, I'm sorry. Let's let's get into this week's topic. Why, so, are, I'm, why are you sorry? Did you, I, did you I'm have sorry because. I made the, the the week's topic high anxiety. Anxiety. I, have, I had been going through HBO Max, looking at the you know the movies that were available, and high anxiety pops up, and I'm like, oh hey, I remember watching that when I was you know like seven, yeah. and thinking it was really good, and it's a it's a Mel Brooks doing his his uh, Young Frankenstein thing on Hitchcock. I bet that's going to be a good watch and a good episode of the podcast. So, guys, watch High Anxiety this week. And little, yeah, little did uh, Brian know that Eric and I have probably watched High Anxiety uh, a multitude of times between us. So it's not yeah. like we were unaware of what we were getting into. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm pretty sure the last time I so here's the thing: High Anxiety, like I said, it's Mel Brooks uh, trying to make a movie in the style of Alfred Hitchcock. And doing gags. <clears throat> it's also the first one of his movies in which he is the lead. And with a speaking role. Because he was in silent movies yeah, the lead. With a speaking role. But yeah. And and it's just really not funny at it, all. Yeah. It's the yeah. like here's the deal. No jokes land. I I think high anxiety is a good object lesson in where the worm started to turn for that type of movie. Because he came out gangbusters uh-huh. yes. with Blazing Saddles as a Western spoof, which is still funny to this day. I don't care who you talk to. Yep. It's still yep. funny. Uh, and Young Frankenstein, which is my personal favorite. Uh, but then yeah. he goes on to do Silent Film or Silent Movie, which is very niche. And I barely remember that one. And then this one. And it's sort of like you can kind of see where. It's the luster's wearing off on this type of film that he's doing. By the time you get to Spaceballs in 87, it's just, ugh, I'm done. Ugh. So you uh, can yeah. kind of see the flow through. I, so this is where it started. I never cared for Spaceballs. I mean, Spaceballs has never worked for me. But yeah. I still think this one does work if you're like 
into Hitchcock, right? The, 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 I mean, it's, it's tough even to be in, into Hitchcock because everything Hitchcock did got copied by somebody else. So by the time you right. get to him, <clears throat> yeah. it's all kind of cliched and hackneyed. But this is like addressing Hitchcock before everyone was, you know, jumping on Hitchcock. Yeah. So I, I really like the, the, the effort he put into making the shit look right. Even the, yeah. here's your newspaper, yes. here's your newspaper, shot by shot. It's <laughs> yeah. shot for shot. <laughs> it's and great. And that's before him, yeah. shot for shower. shot was something evil. You know, like some, like yeah. when uh, Gus Van Sant decided to do Psycho shot for shot, we all learned what a bad idea that was. But for this sequence, it's funny. I yeah. I really well, like this Mel movie. Brooks shooting himself uneven, like he's the woman but, in Psycho, right? Yeah. <laughs> but there are some gags in there that are like fucking great. Like, uh, what's her name? Uh, not Chorus Leachman. Um, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn shows up in the plaid car with the matching outfit. Fuck that. That is yeah. hilarious. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> okay. I laughed. I laughed through exactly three things in this movie. Um, really? That. The okay. car and the matching suit. <laughs> okay. And there are two, two out of three gags where they call attention to a Hitchcockian camera move. The one where they're pushing into the glass door and they break the glass and all the characters notice. <laughs> yeah. And the other where the camera is underneath a glass coffee table and, they keep and two moving. characters, yeah. Harvey, Harvey Corman and, and Cloris Leachman are having tea and they keep putting shit in front of yeah. the camera's view and the cameraman <laughs> yeah. has to move to keep a shot. Well, and then there's uh, the, but there's also <laughs> the, the scene with Dick Van Patten where he's like, I feel like a spider trapped in a web and the sun's coming through the window with the shadow that looks yeah. like a spider's web. And so they're, they're making it very obvious. Uh, so, yeah. It's, yeah, it's you not, gotta be but, sort of in in the era. It's like it doesn't work cold. I think you, you, you yeah. I guess you have to understand in an era when uh, the only films people really know that well are whatever are played on TV. Nobody's renting movies. Nobody's re-releasing things. It, mm-hmm. And you're operating off of your memory of the two times best you've seen. Um, you know, North high, by Northwest. What's the other one? Yeah, or Vertigo. Yeah. Vertigo, yeah. thank well, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, where it's it's interesting, and and I, a lot of the reviews that I read circling this from the era, uh, most of the critics point out the same thing. It's like the the difficulty in spoofing Hitchcock is the fact that Hitchcock himself was actually a very funny man, and his movies mm-hmm. all have that sort of wry sensibility running through them, and they don't take themselves seriously overall and so that's sort of the where it falls flat because when he when brooks did young frankenstein it's like those are movies that took themselves very seriously like monster movies Mm -hmm. and such and then the western thing the grand western themes he punctured those mercilessly but also made them sort of love letters this is just straight up a love letter to hitchcock and that's why most of the jokes to me probably fall flat because it's just like yeah okay great you're making fun of you know vertigo you're making fun of uh the man who knew too much or whatever and it's it's Uh, amusing but there's no like outright guffaws that kind of also explains history of the world because it's a lot of you know historical moments mostly bible moments that are you know very unfunny goddammit. it and so right, it makes right. sense to, as you say, puncture them. Yeah. 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 That makes so, sense. Yeah. So, so like, 
I th- is this like an early version of of like scary movie, like those those latter day Zucker movies with the Wayans brothers or whatever, where it's just like it's reference humor. It's only funny if you're like steeped in the things that they're copying. Like the joke so. is the copy, and I you think, know because I think yeah. both of those films totally ripped this shit off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I yeah. though the, what struck me watching this again because it's really the first time where it's just sort of an almost. Uh, throw it at the wall and see what sticks kind of a deal where, I mean, like Blazing Saddles had that, but like the majority of the jokes worked in that one. Here it's sort of half of them just sort of, eh, you do that. You're like, okay, it's like zingy zingy vaudeville, blah, blah, blah. And it just didn't really quite stick. And you can totally see how that would parlay into something like Airplane. Like, you know, the Zucker, Abram Zucker watched this stuff and went we could do that and you know and kind of followed up <laughs> airplane is so much funnier though but that's why like, airplane is a million times but funnier. that goes back to the earlier point it's like airplane works because the movie that they're ba- they're spoofing is so self-serious that it's much easier right. to get away with that whereas hitchcock it's a slippery uh, slope man it's a slippery slope i i think i i would say the difference here is that um like a lot of what mel brooks is doing his jokes are all related to the Hitchcock thing in airplane it's we don't give a living shit what we're talking about as long as we've got a funny every 30 seconds because every 30 seconds yeah it's a joke about anything whether it has to do with the film or not well and that's like that sort of harkens back more to blazing saddles which is a little bit more raucous i think doing high anxiety you're very much hewed to hitchcock and there's it's a yoke almost it's like you can't really uh, do anything that's that outrageous because if you do it sort of it becomes something outside so, of it and it just sort of breaks the 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 spell i guess i don't know here's the thing right i as far as i can tell high anxiety was he had three spoofs he wanted to do and tried to stitch a script around him right like there was the psycho spoof with the the here's your newspaper there was the birds where the pur- pigeons are pooping all over him yeah. <laughs> and Probably the bit where um, Madeline Kahn gets the phone call and he's getting killed in the phone booth and she thinks an obscene phone caller, right? That's, like, that's dial like M for those, murder. Yeah, those three things are, are like, they're like, oh, this will be hilarious. Let's make a Hitchcock movie. And then and those were like the only jokes yeah. he had or something. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, like a lot of it's like structured on North by Northwest where it's the mistaken identity going on the lamb and they even name mel brooks character thorndike which is Cary grant's character from north by northwest so you know they're yeah. really just sort of being uh up in your face about it from the get-go uh, the the, but, the guy at the check-in desk is mr mcguffin i yeah. think oh well, yeah no, no, they changed they, totally a they, hitchcock yeah term. They, they changed his reservation to the the top floor because he's scared of heights and it was uh, yeah they, somebody called from your your hospital uh, a dr yeah. mcguffin and change the room to the top floor. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, I don't know. There's there's just a lot going on here, and it's almost like they just decided to just joke, 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 and didn't really have much reverence for tying it in with any contextual nature other than it's just a throw-off. It was like, a, it was like watching a, you know a Mad Magazine thing come to life for me. You know what's funny? <laughs> I, just, I just realized, though, like, my thing with that I always say about Hitchcock is you got to take him you know, in his time before everyone copied his shit, right? Because he was making up mm-hmm. this language that we now take for granted. If you think of it, this movie is that kind of spoof movie before 
everyone else came to it and perfected it. So in a way, it's him making this shit up. How do I, yeah. you know, well, he didn't make it up with it, this film, hard. but he was starting with Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. How do I take yeah. established canon and fuck with it? Yeah. And yeah, but that's the thing. It's hard to see this as a as a as a early prototype in its time that's just not you know holding up over time because Blazing Saddles and Rung Frankenstein predate it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, for like, me, it's just you. This is where more uh, of a you can see Mel Brooks's early career, like when he wrote for your show of shows with Sid Caesar and that sort of thing. That's sort of the feel that it has to me. It's like it's basically just a television sketch stretched across the ninety minute film time because you get all these little bits that as a kid made me laugh and they still make me chuckle here but it's like ron carey as uh brophy the driver and it's like that running joke where it's like i got it i got it i got it i ain't got it thunk i got it i got it and they and they just keep doing that over and over but it gets to the point where it's refined over time where it's you just kind of you just hear it off to the distance and you just see mel brooks face like oh shit this again Mm. i mean (laughs) i mean that's always amusing to me but it's got nothing to do with hitchcock so it's just sort of you know this weird compilation of jokes some hit many miss actually a lot of that stuff is more fun than the hitchcock references like there's a whole bit about um getting through the airport when you're when you're wanted by the law and so if they just go in and they act like the most obnoxious jews possible everyone will just want them to go away and pass <laughs> yeah. them through security yeah and that that's one of the best bits in the movie uh, he's just going off in his vaudeville shtick well i i just i remember i caught this movie as a kid so it was probably when it was on cable or something uh a couple yeah. years later and to this day like Nurse Diesel, Cloris Leachman, that is one of my favorite roles of hers, bar none. I mean, even above Frau Blucher, because Nurse Diesel is just so creepy <laughs> and strange. And like, just like she's got that weird, like thin mustache. But Harvey Corman is just totally under her spell and enthralled by her because she's such a dominatrix. I mean, it's just, it's so weird. And when you're like eight years old watching this thing, it doesn't really register. But as an adult, it's like, holy shit, how did. How did I get away with watching this as a child? Because that just none of that should work for a kid. But it just makes me laugh every single time. I, like I, the big I, cone brazier. Like she basically just yeah. got like like street cones for breasts. I mean, it's just the whole thing about it is just so off putting. But it just makes me laugh so much. Uh. She leans into it. That nurse ratchet character really, yeah, you know, exactly. really hard. That, I had a, you know, I I first saw it on cable, like at my dad's house when I was over there some summer or another, and I I must have seen it more than once because either it made one hell of an impression in one viewing, or I saw it more than once because I'm watching it and like, and okay, this is all very very familiar, like I know all of this stuff, and I I. I I kind of want to know, was it just that impactful on a seven-year-old? Or <laughs> Maybe. I, uh, Maybe. Uh. Well, I don't know. It's when you, if you've watched enough of the Mel Brooks stuff, though, that's why this one's sort of interesting to me, because between this and Silent Movie, you can kind of see where the, the shift is underway. And yeah. maybe it's because it's just his, his particular style of comedy is now just universal after Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. And so it maybe has less of an impact. And so it's just not as good. But in this, you can see he's recycling a lot of the same sorts of things that he does from his previous work. And so you have to get the the goofy song in there with him singing High Anxiety, which 
I'd still like my wife and I will still walk around every now and then. High anxiety, it's always the same. Ooh, anxiety. Yeah, so we just mm. kind of roll with that, and it's just stuck in the head. High anxiety, it's always the same. Ooh, anxiety, it's you that I blame. It's very clear to me I've got to give in. But if you go back to like Young Frankenstein and it's putting on the Ritz, or you go back to Blazing Saddles and it's Madeline Condon, so tired. And so they just sort of recycle the same elements, but just shoehorn them into this like, oh, we're doing a, a Hitchcock parody now. That's sort of where it starts to run off the rails for me a bit, because it just felt a little bit too, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this, and it didn't feel very organic, maybe. I don't know. As late you- as 1990? 91, when he did Life Stinks, there was a dance number. Yeah. I never yeah. understood why there was a dance number. Now, yeah, you, you, that makes sense now. No, yeah. but, but, but even here, right? Like, the end of Blazing Saddles, you've got, like, that whole French mistake thing, right? And, like, just the, the, the sheer, like, shrinking of the scope of the whole thing, right? The high anxiety number is just Mel Brooks with a microphone doing a lounge act, yeah. right? It's not a big song and dance number. Even there, he's just sort of pulled it down. And maybe that's part of that's just being true to Hitchcock, right? Like, by being true to Hitchcock, you have to have that pacing, you have to have that lighting, you have to have that cadence of the editing, and so it just makes the whole thing seem kind of old and dated, which yeah. it's supposed to, but yeah. but Young Frankenstein is old and dated in a style that that clicks. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I, again, I think I, it's I think just, yeah. I, Ultimately, Mel Brooks, you know, he kind of does what he wants to do, and it's very hit or miss, not just in the films, but of all of his films, because, yeah, you've got Blazing Saddles, and you got Young Frankenstein, and from there, it's, you know, okay, what else you got? Because he did, what, what was the film he did? He did one before that. I can't remember. Eh. The Producers. Yeah, okay, The Producers, yeah. So he's, like, had a string of, you know, things that worked, and then it was like, okay, go nuts. And, you know, he made some real shit films, you know. Uh, <laughs> History of the World is almost an exception when you look at things like uh, To Be or Not To Be, you know. Yeah. One of the, no, it's true. History of the I World has aged better than I, I thought it was I think they still gonna. show that to prisoners in Guantanamo. It's so fucking bad. <laughs> what, To Be or Not To Be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tough. And then, yeah, and then Spaceballs later. Which I think has the same problem as high anxiety. It's just such a a known pop culture thing. Yeah, and way too late. At least Spaceballs yeah. has jokes in it, though. Yeah, like I'll give Spaceballs that. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's know. like I like high anxiety and Spaceballs. I would rate kind of the same for me. It's just sort of the minor classic era of Mel Brooks, where there's a few good bits that will make me laugh every time I see it. But overall, it's just, I'm not going to sit down and watch it just for that. Like with Spaceballs, it's the, are we there? Where? Now? When? And it's that whole thing where they're doing the videotape. That (laughs) makes me laugh every single time. But as a whole movie, Spaceballs is painful. It really is. And that's kind of where high anxiety rolls. It's just sort of, there's two or three good bits that are just 
bona fide to make me laugh every time but you got to go through all the other muckety muck to get to that and it's just sort of ugh, it's a slog so i don't know the the luster was sort of wearing thin by the time he did this one i don't know it's a tough one there there is one other fun little go ahead eric oh no i was just thinking like uh uh, again uh, as a, a a huge fan of fellini his minor shit his like least good shit is still really awesome city of women is a movie no one ever seems to remember but it's still fucking awesome just not compared to everything else he did mel brooks you look at his crap and it's just since it relies on being funny it's not it's nowhere near as watchable later yeah you know maybe i i think maybe that's the problem is that he is a filmmaker trying to be a filmmaker not just a comedian and so he gets, he's shooting for a lot of different technical things, but nobody cares because it's not funny enough. And I, I see what you mean about high anxiety. Yeah. He, is, he is a technical filmmaker trying to make this shit look right as a love letter to Hitchcock, Hitchcock but he, he's not putting in anywhere enough jokes. And that's the point of the yeah. film should mm. be the jokes. So yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of hampered. Unlike Fellini, who doesn't have to be funny. But, you know. So, yeah. Um, well, I'd, I guess we kind of did a Mel Brooks show. <laughs> well, yeah. the thing with, the thing with I think, ultimately, as a final thought, that, that, that hampers high anxiety being an actual bona fide classic, other than a, an, instead of a minor classic, is that Brooks actually showed the cut to Hitchcock before he died. And... Hitchcock gave mm-hmm. his blessing and liked it so much that he sent him like a case of champagne or some shit. And so it's like yeah. when when the person that you're spoofing likes the movie that much because it's just basically uh, not shot for shot, but it's a very loving homage that doesn't really puncture anything. I think that's where the problem is. Because even Young Frankenstein, it was like it was a love letter to the Universal mm. horror movies, but it also punctured so many of the tropes. Here, I don't see that, and that's its greatest weakness. Is it just it it goes up to the edge and just doesn't go any further, and so it just falls flat for me that way. So, if Hitchcock likes it, it, it can't be that good. Minor trivia before we end: the guy, the bellboy. Here's your newspaper. Here's your newspaper. Barry Levinson, Barry, director of Rain Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Barry That's Levinson. crazy. <laughs> Here's your newspaper. All right. Here's your newspaper. Oh, that one makes me laugh, too. So, yeah, folks, that's the show. It's the Magnificent the Huge Podcast. We talk about movies and TV and games and books and you name it, and a lot of it comes from, like, the 70s and 80s and, yeah, some 90s. We're nostalgic. We're old. Deal with it. Yeah. Hey, Check out the show. Subscribe to it on your podcast app choice. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes. Share it on your social media feeds. And uh, reach out. Give us show ideas. Uh, tell us what we're missing. Uh, we're the only middle-aged on. American men with a podcast. Really? The only <laughs> yeah, ones. The only ones. That you're listening to right now. The only ones for you. The only ones Ugh. for you. So... Yeah, you can find links to contact us on our website. It's maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. You can find our Twitter, maghuge, there, or the ways to find us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah. Bye. Bye. Zayety! <laughs> <laughs>